Amen. Thank you, Spence. Okay, we defined leadership last week looking at Nehemiah, who's given us a, uh, a master's degree in leadership here, as um, moving people from here, here to there. Now, there's all kinds of leadership definitions, but Basically, if you're leading people, you got to get them from wherever they are to wherever they're supposed to go, whether that's just as an individual or a group. And so what we saw Nehemiah do last week, chapter 2, verse 17, was all contained, I think, in that verse, is the first thing he wanted to do is define reality. So he wants to say, okay, here's where we are. This is what we got. This is who we are, just trying to define reality. So that's a huge leadership component, which I won't review because we did that last week. Then he said, very simply, here's where we want to go, which was we want to build a wall. So the clearer you can make your vision, the better you're going to be about yourself, you know, or about your family or about your business. And so Nehemiah's vision is pretty simple. Hey, here we are. We're in trouble, and we just want to build a wall. That's the one thing I'm trying to get done. But then he says, we're in disgrace, and that's his way of, say, of trying to convince these people that we can't stay here. We can't stay here. And that's a critical leadership component when you're leading somebody. One is to say, hey, I, this is, I have a vision for this. Let's do this. And, and you can get people excited about it, but some people don't want to move. And as a leader, you have to say, this is why we can't stay here. That we're in a disgraceful situation in the case for Nehemiah. And so, okay, we, we, we don't want to stay here. So, yeah, let, now I'm interested in moving there. So that was basically last week. And this week, I want to talk about how Nehemiah actually builds that wall and that he gets a team. He gets a team of people. So that's a critical thing. I mean, you can lead yourself, and you should lead yourself well, but leadership is really about leading other people. I mean, if you've, you've heard, you know, if you're, if you're a leader but no one's following, then you're just out for a walk. Uh, so <laughs> leading people is when people are following one or more, or your family, your business, your church, your community. And so in order to get this wall built, Nehemiah understands, hey, I can't, I'm just not going to be able to do it myself. I'm going to need some, some help, some team, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And I want to show this little video, tons of videos you can choose about team leadership. And um, this is kind of a flash mob uh, symphony. And I just want you to enjoy it, but I also want you to think about what, what do I pick up by watching this video about the power of a team, uh, the joy of a team, what a team does, and then we'll talk about it uh, when it's over.
such a great little video. So what did you learn about being on a team or teamwork from just watching that video? It's organized. Okay, good. Okay, somebody had to start. So, you know, in the little video, it was the girl put the dollar or coin in the hat, and one guy just started. And some, So somebody's got to get something started. Okay, all playing the same music. Such a key part. Noticed it was, you know, as it got bigger, they had a lot of different instruments that sounded different, but they're all reading the same sheet of music. That's just a huge leadership principle. You're going to have a lot of different variety on your team, but they all have to be saying, we're playing the same sheet of music. Otherwise, you, you know, just have a middle school band, right? Beep, 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 you know? Uh, so very important. What else? Okay. That, that just the, the, that little group, I love that, this little band, look at the wall of people it built. They all got excited. Some, some small group got excited, and then a, a whole group, and then you saw the crowd. Everybody starts singing the same song, you know. Uh, and I, don't, it's, I know that's Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, you know, Ode to Joy. And you might know it as Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee as a hymn. They all start singing, you know. If that, there's probably have a few planted singers, but then everybody else in the crowd they start singing along. So very important. Anything else? Yes, <laughs> very important. Yeah. So it looks it looks from the outside maybe hey this this is kind of kind of happening, but you know if you see something that, that that's working that well. There, it's choreographed. There's a leader in there or leaders trying to make something happen. Did you? I, I love the guy who looked. He looked like he just wandered up and started conducting. You know. <laughs> See, there was one guy not playing an instrument. So it's very important in leadership. Somebody has to say, "Okay, I'm not actually going to play an instrument." But the role I play gets every other instrument to play at the same time. That's really Nehemiah's role here. In chapter 3, one of the most remarkable parts about chapter 3 is it's all these people who built a wall, which we'll talk about. But the only name, there's four, over 40 names in chapter 3. The only name not in chapter 3 is Nehemiah. He didn't, as far as we know, he... He doesn't say he built part of the wall, but it's Nehemiah's wall. That's what everybody still calls it, Nehemiah's wall. But he's like the conductor. He's like, hey, I'm not the wall builder, but I'm going to get all these people together, and I'm going to create some energy, and these people are going to do something that's really beautiful, and he's that person. So let's talk about teams today, and I want to talk about it from a couple of different angles. Number one, first of all, just thinking about the teams that you're on. First of all, I hope that you think that of yourself like there's a team for you. You're on a team. I'm on, I'm on the team Paul Phillips. And it's not just one person. There are several people in my life that are on my team. They may not know it, uh, but they probably do. 
But you're not just, you're not going to make it just by yourself being yourself. You got to be on a team of people who are helping you. Ecclesiastes 4 9, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls down and no one can help him up. So you've got to have your own team. Uh, a leader, uh, a guy named Jim Rohn, he said this you become the combined average of the five people you hang around the most. You become the, the combined average of the five people you hang around the most. And some of you are thinking, I need some new friends. <laughs> but you, there is a team. There's some, you've got to be thinking, hey, I need a team. I need a group of people around me who are helping me. So you're on that team. If you're in a family, especially if you're a, uh, the man of the house, you're the leader of a team. Might just be your wife. Might be your family, but you're the leader. Remember when God, Adam and Eve fell and God comes back into the garden, what's the first thing God says? Hey, where are you all? Is that what he says? That's not what he says. What he says? Adam, where are you? Why, why didn't he say Eve? That would seem more natural. Or Adam and Eve. He's the leader. Adam is the leader. So you're the leader. So you're on that team. Might be a team of two, might be a team of four, might be a team of six, whatever, but you're the leader. You're the leader of that team. Number three, you got a, a place at work. You're on a team. Now, in, in the workplace, you might be at the top and you're the team leader, or you might be in the middle where you lead some people, but you answer to some people. Or you might not be in a leadership position, but you're just part, of, you're a player in the, in the band. But, you know, just do, in that team and also in the final team in terms of the church, in the church you're on a team. I, I hope whatever church you go to, you feel like I'm part of the team. That you're not just somebody who sits in the back and then you kind of leave, but you're actually part of a team. And whether it's your work or your church, you got to know what lane you're supposed to occupy, right? That's one of the, we'll talk about this, clearly defined roles. What, what's your lane? What's your lane at work? Are you sure what that is? You should be sure. Your boss should say, here's your lane. And if you're the boss, you should be telling people, this is the lane I want you to run in. Don't run in another lane. Do, this is what we hired you to do. Do this lane. And maybe the lane gets wider, maybe the lane gets more narrow, who knows? But you got to know what lane you're running in. I'm trying to help a young man right now, and he's got a lot of deficiencies. He's got a lot of holes in his life. He doesn't have a dad, he doesn't have a good family, he doesn't, he doesn't have a lot of good anything. And so I've stepped in trying to help this guy, and I found him a counselor. And so I'm talking to the counselor saying, hey, what did you find out about him? How can I help? And then I started, I didn't realize it, but I started saying, I'll do this. And the counselor said, hey, that's not your lane. Paul, you have a lane for this young man. You got to stay in that lane. You can't be everything. But see, that's my, the pastor's heart is, I want to try to be all these things. And she's saying, you got to stay in your lane. So my question just for you at work and you in a church, do you know what lane you're in? Because you're, you're on a team, you need to know what lane you're in, all right? So those are questions that we'll, we'll talk about. Uh, then we got three lessons from Nehemiah in terms of what we learned from him here. 
uh, about this team. First of all, he starts with this well-defined vision. We talked about this over here. We're going to build a wall. So when you're on a team, everybody needs to, everybody's going to play a different instrument, but we're all shooting for the same thing. So just for yourself, do you have a well-defined vision? This is, this is my preferred future for myself. Or you just, just you get up, wander through the day, get up, wander through the day, and your life's over. You want to say, hey, I've got, I'm shooting for something. You, know, you might not get there. God might change the course as you go. That's all, all that's fine. But you wake up saying, I'm trying to get somewhere. And my question is, do you know where that is? Then if you're a husband, do you know where that is for your family? If you're a leader at work, do you know where that is for your department or your team? And if you're in a church, does a church have a, a vision that you're saying, I play a role in trying to get there? That's well-defined vision. We won't talk more about that. But uh, there was a quote for it, pastors actually, and it was, a mist in your mind. So I'm preaching, a mist in my mind, like I don't quite know what to say here, is a fog for your followers. So if you're the leader and it's a little misty in your mind, by the time you translate it to your team, it becomes a fog. So that's why you've got to have real clarity in yourself because it's not going to be perfectly clear to the person you're communicating it to. So you want to make sure you're clear in your own mind. Second, the power of everyone and the importance of a few. Again, we're looking at Nehemiah chapter 3. There's 40 names. There's 10 group names. And you see verse 1, there's priests. Verse 12, there's entire families. So this guy named Shalom, he gets his daughters to, to get in it. So, hey, we're all taking a part of the wall, and I'm building this, and I got my sons here, and hey, daughters, we're all, we're all going to be a part of this. We're all going to get involved with this. Uh, verse 13, there are people who are non-residents of Jerusalem, people who live outside in another city. They have some compassion for the city. They're going to come in, and they're going to join in. And then you notice there's goldsmith, perfumers, merchants, verse 8, verse 32. So these aren't, these, aren't, these aren't construction people. These are different kinds of roles that they haven't played before, but they're all joining together to say, hey, we, we all have to be a part of this effort if it's going to happen. If we're going to build a wall, everyone has to get involved. So the power of everybody, the power of everybody, when you get everybody working towards the same goal, that, that centrifugal force is super powerful. And so just, just think if one church, everybody was involved, every person knew their lane, every person had a role. Now they might have different roles, some are going to have more you know, roles and more capacity, that's fine. But what if every single person said, I'm on board, I'm helping to build this. Imagine the power that could, could get generated from just a few people. Or if 50 or 60 Christian men were saying, we're all on board for being a part of changing our, our culture or our city. That none of us would go out and just say, well, I'm just kind of half-hearted today. Or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm taking a break. I'm, no, everyone was on board 
the power of everyone being on board is, is a multiplier on what can get done. There's a, um, a book called Sticky Teams. It's a pretty good book on team building by Larry Osborne, and he writes this. Just one member, and you, you've experienced this. You've been on a team where you've experienced this. Just one member who's headed in a different direction. One member who's disgruntled or quietly passive-aggressive can drain the passion and joy out of an entire team and make life miserable for whoever's stuck trying to lead the team. Amen? <laughs> Just one, you know, you have a great team and the one person comes in and it's like, sand comes into the gears. And, and not only can you not go forward, you're now miserable. The person's come in and you're like, hey, misery just walked in the door. And so just think of the power of everyone pulling in the same direction, especially if you're a leader. Got to watch out for people who would come in and be sand in the gears to say, hey, you're just not a good fit here for whatever reason. So the power of everyone. But notice in chapter one, in verse one, I don't know why these people are mentioned first, but I'm just guessing because these, the few, power of everyone, the importance of a few, the priests were the first guys who took off their robes and got involved. Now you see, you can see, we can make a connection to that to the gospel, can we not? There's trouble, there's disgrace, and who took off the robes to get involved? Jesus. So here, these guys, they don't do manual labor. They're, they're involved with spiritual stuff. And Nehemiah says, hey, the priests, they're putting on their work clothes and their gloves, and they're going to start rebuilding the wall. Just think about the energy that creates for everybody else. So when you're on a team, just sometimes just getting a few people started, the few key people, that can begin to build that momentum for more and more people. You, this is a great little video here, perfect example of it. So a lot of times, especially when you're building your team, you're thinking, who are the first key people I've got to have? And they're going to help the whole thing move forward. And we see that with Nehemiah. Finally, well-defined roles and an aligned interest. This is so uh, genius leadership. What Nehemiah does is he says, okay, guys, we're gonna, uh, we need to build a wall around our city. And we don't have any wall, but uh, hey, Phillips, you know, you live over here and you have a business over here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, how about you building the wall right here? And then Lane, you got a business in a, in a house here. You don't, why don't you do that? And Bell, you're, you, you're over here, and you've got a business and a home. Why don't you build that wall? So, so when the Lanes and the Phillips and the Bells all start building their wall, what kind of energy do they have for building the wall next to the house? Yeah, a lot of energy. I mean, if this is the difference between enemy attack and safety, well, I'm, I'm real interested in my business and my home. Genius leadership. 
He gets all these people to say, what do they already have a passion for, and how can I open that door for them to run through that? So, so genius. And so everybody takes a role, every, everybody has a spot, and then for the most part, they have some interest in building the portion of wall that they're involved with. And so when we think about that aligned interest, you, you want to think about yourself and how do your interests align with what you do. So a lot of times you say, okay, how, how happy are you at your work? Well, I'm 80-20, 80% happy, 20% of the stuff I don't really like. One of the questions is, what, what, what's enough? What if you were 20% happy and 80% unhappy? Probably that person you'd say, you'd be looking around. But what, what, would, what would you say, here's the question I'm going to ask that you can answer in your group. If you, just, if you got your very first job, you're 20, you're, you're Hayden. Hayden's 21, he's a junior, so next year he's going to get out in the workforce and join all of us. Welcome, Hayden. What a, what a joyful uh, job ride you're going on. So Hayden's very first job, what percentage should he be expecting? Hayden is 54 like me. He somehow figured out what his career is in the process, hopefully before he's 54. What would you hope for for Hayden at 54? Yeah, joy would be higher. So just what, what would you just, how would you talk about it? You're going to talk about that in your group. So what would you say? So because if Hayden comes out and says, I expect 90-10, what would 54-year-old Paul say? Yeah, sorry. Not going to happen. But really, a lot, of, a lot of young guys come out and say, you know, I just don't like that little piece. And I'm like, dude, it's not real. we're not here about your happiness. We're here about the wall. The wall is what makes us happy, not you. But see, a lot of guys don't know that. But, but really, you're, divi- you're divinely designed in some way. And if you're somewhere where you're at 10% happiness and, in, and you're in a career, you need to really think about doing something different. So Nehemiah, genius leadership. And if you're the leader of a group of people, are the people underneath you, are they aligned to what they want to do? Or are you got them doing something that's 10%? So you just got to think about that as you're building your team. And then we talk, talked about clearly defined roles. When you read through the chapter, it's always, and the Phillips built from this gate to that gate. And then the Johnsons built from where the Phillips started to the next place. It's very specific. So the Phillips didn't come over to the Bells and say, uh, you know, Jason, you're not real good at this, so let, let, let me build your wall. And, uh, Lane, you're, you know, is that, is that a happy group? No, no. Phillips, stay in your dang lane. Just get your wall built. So do you have clearly defined roles? You know what your lane is. That's so important as a team. What if the French horns start trying to sound like the violins? That's not going to be a good sound. So just you, you know what your piece is. 
you stay in your lane. Doesn't mean you can't ever get out of it or grow or that sort of thing, but you're just, you've got a well-defined role. And if you're, especially if you're the leader of the team, everybody understands their lane. This is what really derails teams is if they don't really know what they're supposed to be doing and then they get into somebody else's lane and then that person isn't, isn't sure, well, I'm supposed to be listening to this person, I'm supposed to be doing that. I don't, I don't know which lane we're all in here. So, and, and you always, I know this is a church staff, you're always having to rewrite those things and try to make sure everybody's on the same page. All right, so we got about uh, 15 minutes here and these are the questions the first question is just, when you think about yourself, uh, your family, your work, and your church, those are the four teams we talked about at the very beginning, Where, which one of those is the strongest for you? You feel like, hey, we're, I'm, in the right, I'm in the right spot on those things, or which one do you feel like, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in a good space on that, either as the leader or maybe as the team member? And then we talk about these three different things, the well-defined vision, the power of everyone, the roles and alignment, and you can go through those as uh, time allows. All right, so you can get in groups of three or four and talk about those, and we'll, I'll close this in about 15 minutes. Ready? Break. <laughs>